I feel like preaching. Can, can I just preach in this room? Exodus chapter 16. We're going to kick it in the old school King James for a minute because there's something I'm after. There's something I'm after. If you're ready for the word, shout yes. yes. Ooh, you sound good. You sound good. This is what the word of God would say. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And when the children of Israel, verse 15, saw it, they said to one another, it is manna. For they wist not what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it now every man according to his eating. And Omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which is in his tents. And watch this. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. And when they did meet it with an Omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. And he that gathered little had no lack. And they gathered. There it is. Every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. But some of them left of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. Last verse. And they gathered. There it is. Every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. God sent me in this room tonight to challenge a side of your Christian walk that maybe you haven't challenged in a while. Because I don't care what level you've been eating on spiritually until you walked in here. God told me to tell you prophetically tonight over this region, God says it has changed. And from here on out, God said to tell you that it's all you can eat. Maybe I'll just talk to you today. God said no matter what level you've been eating on and no matter what you've been thinking, God said from this moment forward, it's all you can eat. Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for your anointing and I give you praise, Lord. Father, speak in this room. Speak until pain turns to power and tragedy turns to triumph and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Somebody who believes it, shout amen. Thank you, sir. If there's anything you need to know about the preacher that stands in front of you is that you must know that this preacher loves the Word of God. Is there anybody in this room that just loves the Word of God? I, I love the Word of God because for so many reasons, but, but perhaps the thing I love the most about the Word of God is the older I get, I'm realizing that everything in God's Word was pinned on purpose. Come on. Everything pinned on purpose. Every psalm pinned on purpose. Every parable pinned on purpose. Every prophecy pinned on purpose. Every proverb pinned on purpose. Even down to the very titles of the books of the Bible. Everything, all things, every word pinned on purpose. I could take 66 weeks and preach the titles and we could have church. They say nothing. I, I could take 66 weeks, just grab the title, and there is enough significant revelation in every title that we could have church just off the title. Let me show you what I mean. The first book of the Bible is the book of Genesis. And just in the title, there is enough revelation for you to shout off of, live off of, and move off of. Why? Because the book of Genesis means the book of beginnings. Really what I'm trying to tell you is from the get-go, God wanted us to know that he knows how to start a thing. 
No, that it doesn't matter what the thing looked like before God got to it. It doesn't matter how chaotic it is or crazy it is. It doesn't matter how dark it is or how lonely it is or how low it is. God wanted you to know that if he ever gets over top of that low, lonely, dark, and empty thing and ever opens up his mouth, whatever he has to say will change the environment because God knows how to start a thing. That's why it doesn't matter what a doctor's report says. Come on. That's why it doesn't matter what your daddy didn't give or your daddy didn't show you. It doesn't matter if your mama was there or not. If God ever gets over top of your life and opens his mouth and begins to say a thing over you, darkness has to go and things have to change. Why? Because he is my Genesis God. And if you're thankful for a God knows how, that knows how to start a thing, you ought to give him praise to let him know you can start a new thing right now. If you want to know what my prayer is, that's my prayer. Start some God. Start some God. Start something fresh. Start something on fire. Start something God knew in my life. God, I'm thankful for everything you've done. But God, this is what I know. He who has begun a good work in my life is faithful to bring that thing to completion. Because if I ever start it, not only will I sustain it, but I'm about to finish that thing in your life. Somebody give him praise right Right now. We are coming for the 42 mil. All right, guys, we're sorry for the microphone issue. Zach's going to go ahead and knock us and start us Am off. Am I on, Ben? Awesome. Thanks, guys, for jumping on. I Give know us that a we thumbs a up if you can hear it now. There in the beginning, but what we want to cover today is a crucial topic, and I believe personally that this could be one of the main reasons that we're not seeing a mass revival in America today. What we want to cover is the difference between just being an attendee in church or really getting in and being part of the army. And I think it's a big thing that we see because we see a lot of people in churches all over America today. Chances are no yeah. matter what town you live in, what city you live in, there's probably hundreds of churches within a small circle of where you're at. Yeah. But the problem is most of the people that are at those churches, they never choose to really dive in and become part of the army. Most of the time, people just, they become attendees. They go to church on a Sunday. They take up a seat. They don't really have any input in the church other than when they complain about things they don't like. Maybe the coffee didn't taste good that week or the pastor preached something that burnt. didn't jive with their life. Or, you know, they, they just complain about things that they don't like, but they don't put any work in. Uh, you know, they're not plugged in throughout the course of the week. They only go on Sunday mornings. 
you know, and most of the time what we see is those people don't even finish the race. No, most no. of the time the people that we see that are in that, in that attendee spot, you see most of the covenants of God are, are they're reciprocal. All covenants are reciprocal. So yep. when you're not putting in your part, people don't see all these things come forward that the pastor's talking about. So then they end up not believing that any of it's real or they don't believe that it's for them. So most of the time they wind up growing cold and, and backsliding yeah. and leaving the church. It's sad. And then the people that do finish the race, you know, I mean, imagine how disappointed they'll be at judgment or when they when they do get to heaven, when they realize what they could have had here on earth. Judgment. I mean, to think, you know, they went through their entire life with no difference between their life could and the life of someone that? who You're believes. You're standing in front of God. He's like, it's time. You're going to heaven, brother. We're going to judge your words yeah. and your works. And like, well, you complained about XYZ pastor. You complained about how this happened. You complained that the coffee was, was Starbucks and not Dunkin' Donuts. You, no give, you gave all these complaints. Shut up. You gave all these complaints. Now, okay, that's we can work with it. Let's look at your works. Wow, I'm not seeing much here. Like, man, I want to stand in front of God. With a list of what I was able to accomplish for him, what I was going to do. We're not saved by our works, but our works prove our salvation. Yeah, And and we're not here to suck air. We're here to do something. I say, or I know that the Bible says there's no sorrow in heaven. And I believe everything the Bible says. But I, I mean, what do you think? I've got to imagine that, like, if you were to get to heaven and you were to live a life of, like you're gonna well, get the to Bible heaven. says that judgment will be done in the air. Well, I know, but I'm saying like, when, imagine like you get into heaven and you lived your entire life here like struggling, sickness, broke, depressed all the time, but you like just barely made it. Like, could you imagine? I know there's not supposed to be any sorrow, but I got to imagine that there's gonna be like at least one minute where you're like, dang, that was a little bit of a mistake on my part. Like, the Bible says that a godly life is profitable not only in heaven. But here now on this earth, but you'll never get to experience that if you're just an attendee because there's things that you have to do to activate the covenants of God. And I've seen what a lot of people, they end up coming just to be entertained or to be taken care of and not to be fulfilled. A lot of people in the body of Christ are idle, which is disappointing because God has never even called us to go to church. He's called us to be the church. Now, obviously, attendance is part of it. But we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ at large is inactive. I saw a statistic the other day. It said this, 98% of people will never share the gospel with somebody else. It is on average that most people, most churches only win one soul a year. You know how many people are going to hell? Just youth in the United States of America, between the ages of 12 and 19, there's over 45 million of them. That's a lot of people who need Jesus. That's a lot of people who need to come to the Lord. And if we're idle, we will lose. And not just lose out on those people, but we'll lose out on what God has called us to do, who he's called us to be. In reality, we were never called to just be idle. We were never called just to be attenders. We are the army of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And there is a war at hand. There's a war for our souls. There's a war a war to bring people to the pits of hell. It's not all rainbows and candy. It's not like we just go through life and this is what it is. No, this is a literal eternal battle for people's souls. And that's why we're here on this earth. We're here to cause an uproar, to turn the world upside down, as they said of the apostles and disciples in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. The second, the, the latter part of it. But that's what we're here for. And if we're just here sitting in a chair, I want to encourage you that 
today is the last day to just be an attender at the church, but to stand up and be the body of Christ, to win this generation. God has called every single one of us to win souls and to disciple them. Yeah, and look what happens when a church becomes passive about soul winning. You can drive all over any city in America and find old, broken down, abandoned, empty churches it's that have sad. completely closed. Places that are supposed Some to be... Some big ones that used to be Places huge. that are supposed to be a spot where people that are hurt, that are broken can go, that they can have their life changed, turned around, they can be healed, they can find Jesus, and they're closed because pastors are afraid to put a precedent on winning souls and then, because they don't want to offend people, they don't want to tell people you can't just sit in a chair every Sunday and accomplish the mission of heaven. So they they become afraid of teaching this. So when they don't teach it, then what happens is you see a church that'll be around for maybe thirty or forty years, and then all the attendees get so old that they die, it's and then true. the church doesn't have enough money, so it ends up getting torn down, and a Dunkin' Donuts gets built in its place. It's pathetic to watch what happens in America now because people are afraid to offend people to get them up and out of their chair because no one wants to think everyone thinks that church is like this big charity case where you can just come and dump all your problems on Sunday morning and then get up and leave but the problem is you can only do that for so long before the effectiveness is completely and totally gone you have to be a person that comes in gets saved gets changed gets lit on fire and gets launched back yeah. out into the world to bring people in yeah. to be turned into a fisher of men to see a change in your circle yeah. of influence, because if not, you're you're attending nothing more yeah, than a social club. And that's the goal club. with what we're doing for conference. With these one nights, the one nights we're doing in Rochester and Scranton and right outside of Pittsburgh, and then conference itself, we want to see salvation. A one, we want to see people come to Jesus. Yeah. Two, we want to see them find freedom in the name of Jesus, and we want them to bring that same message home to their families, their town, to their circle of influence, to turn the world upside down. That's it's as simple as that. Come to know Jesus, come to know his freedom, and bring that same message home to somebody else. But the Apostle Paul was talking to his son in the, in the, in the faith, Timothy. And he said it like this in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 4. He said, soldiers don't get, tired, or don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Remember, we're in a battle, and we're soldiers in the battle, here to win souls. We are here on behalf of God to win souls, to make an impact in this world, to cause an uproar. But what I see and what we just talked about is most people are inactive. You know what? Once you become active, there's some other things you need in your life. One of the things that we every army has is unity. There's so many people in the body of Christ, and most churches are full of this. The soldiers are fighting amongst each other, destroying each other, backbiting, gossiping. They're too busy destroying other people that they're supposed to be serving in the body of Christ with that they never go and win a soul. And when they get around them to go and win souls, why would God bless that? Why would God use that? Why would that be attractive to the world? They see the gossip. They feel it. But unity is a powerful thing in the army of Christ. Psalm 133, it says it like this, verses 1 through 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon that beard. Even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. And the dew of Hermon as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion for their... The Lord commanded the blessing, even life, even life forevermore.
more. What that's saying is unity with brothers and sisters in Christ. Unity in this army is powerful. That ointment is an oil or the anointing. There's power in unity. If you want to be unified, if you want to have power, guess what you get to do and you should do. You should be unified with your brother. Check out Genesis 11. Even before the Holy Spirit was active on, in us as believers in Christ, they were able to build a tower and God had to stop them because they were going to reach heaven. Unity is so vital in this army. You need to make a decision today. I'll never be the person that, that stops unity. I won't be the gossip. I won't be the backbiter. But I'll be the one that pushes towards and propels unity in the army of Christ so we can see souls saved. And it's always been the call of the church to be effective. It's yeah. from the very beginning. Isaiah 11.1 1 says... There shall come forth a root from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. That fruit is souls. It was never meant for the church to be a clubhouse where everyone who wants to be saved comes in and then hides Jesus inside of a building. The church was meant to be an equipping ground for people to take what they've learned and take the experience that they have it's true. and bring it back out and share it with the world. You know, it, when you were just talking about that, imagine how it would feel. If people weren't in unity, and then you came to church, and something happened, and instead of other people in church building you up and bringing you back and drawing you back into Jesus, they started saying things like, oh, well, I knew he was never really saved. Look yeah. at him. Yeah, real godly Jeez. way to act. What, how is that going to affect that person? How are they going to be able to come back in and feel comfortable really surrendering again, knowing that the people who sit in here and do nothing only talk bad about them every time they walk in the door? The church is to be an inviting ground for the unsaved people to come in and see their lives miraculously change. It's true, and that's why it says soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. Yeah. Too many people waste time on stupid things that don't matter. The next thing that they do is they have a mission. Man, we know our mission, and I love in Acts 2 and Acts 4, it, the Bible says that when they were in the upper room, they were in one accord. Yeah. They were together in unity. In Acts 4, when they were praying again, the Bible says they were in unity. They were in one accord, which means they were pushing forward in a mission. If you look at the book of Acts, their mission was to see souls saved. There were entire cities saved because they were on mission as soldiers. They weren't worried about a thousand other things. They were worried about what was important, and that was seeing souls saved seeing freedom in people's lives and empowering people to bring the same message forward. We got to be on mission. We're not just here. We, Jesus didn't say, and with the last thing he told his disciples to go and win souls, that power was coming to win souls. He didn't say it because it was a cute thing. He didn't give them the great commission because it's like the end of a movie. And it, oh my gosh, how could we end this? Oh, just say this and there's no sequel. No, you know what? It, he said it because it's our job. He's entrusted us with it. And the crazy thing is, he didn't entrust Paul with an end-time harvest. He didn't entrust Peter with an end-time harvest. He entrusted you. He entrusted me with an end-time harvest. And we need to stay on mission and be unified in the mission to win souls, to be a soldier in the army of God so we can present at the end of time. We can please the officer that enlisted us. His name is Jesus. Look at the parable of the talents. 
God literally looked yeah. at the man who produced nothing, and he didn't say, you know, oh, I wish you would have done something more with this, or, well, at least but you were able to give back to me. Evil. He professed him to be a wicked servant for not having fruit in his life. Yeah. Don't, I don't want to get to the end of my life and have God look upon me as a wicked servant for not producing fruit That's with what terrifying. he's given me. You literally walk around. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost right now, you walk around filled with the answer to every deficit of this world. Yeah. What kind true. of a person, if I had the answer to, to heal all cancer in every person's body, but I kept it locked into myself, you should lock me up and yeah, throw away wicked. the key. You should lock me up. If I had the answer to solve all the debt in this world, but I didn't share it, you should lock me up and throw away the key. What a wicked servant to have the answer to every deficit in this world and keep it locked up inside of the four walls of the church. It's true. Look, they were in unity. They were on mission in unity with it. But last, they took this serious. Yeah. I think about Paul's life, man. Paul was shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, chased out of cities, left for dead. Paul didn't have the easiest but he never quit. He took this very serious to the point of death. He wrote a three, la three verses later in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. We need to be serious about this call. I was talking to one of my mentors, and he said it like this one time. We were talking about helping develop leaders in youth ministry. He said, the last thing that most people ever understand and implement in their life is winning a harvest. How sad is that? But you know what's even more sad? He said when a distraction comes, mostly a boy, a girl, a job, the first thing that they lose is vision for the harvest. Yeah. And it's true. We don't take this as serious as we should. You're in your school, at your job, with your family, the most important thing you can do isn't pass, isn't make money. It's to make sure that those people know the name of Jesus. Now, you better be an excellent worker at the same time. You better be the best worker and make the most money. But your most important job is to take your job as a soldier in the army of Christ series. Verse 4 said it like that. Remember, it says don't, soldiers don't get tied up with the affairs of civilians. Not that we don't have to go through things. It's not like we have to, like, we have to, you have to go to school. You need a job. But don't get so tied up in it that you forget you're enlisted in an army to win souls, to wreak havoc on the devil and what he's trying to do. The Bible in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 14, it says, The mouth of Sheol has been enlarged. The, the mouth of hell had to be made bigger to get people. I never see it in the Bible where the gates of heaven had to be made wider. And I promise you, my goal is to make sure the gates of heaven had to be made wider because of how many people are saved. And that's what we need. We need it in our heart that we will win souls, that we will stay true to what God has called us to do, that we're not going to be idle attenders just sitting back and going through motions and things are happening. No, that is a waste of time. I promise when you get to heaven, if you make it to heaven, you're going to be disappointed in all that God had called you to do and what you left out on the table. I know we've talked about this a couple times, but I like how Bishop T.D. Jake said it that one time in that interview that we watched. He said, uh, uh, you know, we have too many people that get twisted up. They think that they're a plumber that talks about Jesus, yeah. or they think that they're a carpenter that talks about Jesus, or they're a car salesman that talks about Jesus. Don't give me credit for that. Jesus, we say it. 
But you've got to flip it the other way. You've got to say, I'm a soul winner who just happens to do carpentry. Or yeah. I'm a soul winner that just happens to be a plumber. Or it's I'm true. a soul winner. What is number one in your life? Is number one in your life your trade? Is number one in your life your family? And that's where it gets tied up a lot as people say, well, family comes first. The family doesn't come first. Jesus Christ comes first in every situation. So you've got to tell, you, I'm a father, but first I'm a soul winner. I'm a husband, but first I'm a soul winner. Before anything in my life, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And not just a servant, but a bond servant. I'm here because I want to be. Not because I feel like I contractually have to be. I'm doing this work because I believe that it is an answer to what people are searching for. And too many people now back away from that and they say, well, you know, I can't talk about it here at, at my job because I don't want it to affect my job. I don't care if it affects my job. I'll tell anyone and everyone about Jesus wherever I go because he supersedes anything in my life. He supersedes my job. He supersedes a paycheck. He supersedes any of the hobbies that I enjoy. He is number one yeah. in my life over everything else. Yeah, and the great thing is I see so many people, man, they're, they want to do it or maybe they've, they've heard the call and they think this is like a single man mission. No, no, this is a co-mission from heaven. We've been given the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you to bear witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guess what? You have power to fulfill this mission. You're not walking around this earth weak and pitiful with no power with no ability no no the baptism of the holy spirit is for power to win souls for supernatural boldness to win souls to give you the unction to go out and do this to share jesus with your friends to share jesus with your family members to do it at work to do it at school no matter where you are no matter what it is look you're a soldier in the army but you've get, been given a powerful weapon named the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And you have the ability to move forward in this thing or to hold up. You don't have to hold up. You need to let the Holy Spirit work through you at school. You need to allow these things to happen so you can win these souls. So we can turn the world upside down. And it's time for a change. We need to stop hiding these things away. We need to allow a clear divide to be set in front of us. We need People need to understand, no one wants to serve the God of a depressed, sick, broken person who never has any victory in their life. There has to be something that you demonstrate that makes people desire what it is you have. What good would people have to give up their entire Sunday that they could be spending with their family at the lake, on a golf course, on a hunting trip, yeah. for no gain whatsoever. You have to allow your life to demonstrate a clear divide between someone who doesn't have a savior, between someone who doesn't have a redeemer, between you and someone who doesn't have a provider. There has to be a line that shows a difference for someone who's full of the Holy Ghost and fire, doing yeah. the work that God has called them to do, in order to draw people in and want them and cause them to want to be effective. And look, we need the Holy Ghost. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. You can't just win souls because of a good argument. You win souls through the Spirit of God, bringing illumination and conviction to their heart. You need the Spirit of God to do this. It's not a good argument. You can't argue people into the kingdom of heaven. You share the good news, and the Spirit of God works on their heart. 
but you share the good news in boldness and in the spirit, and things change, things shift, and souls will be one. It's time that the church stops just attending a building and steps up to be the church that they've been called to be, to not be an attender, but to be the army of God. I love, man, William Booth made the Salvation Army. You know the Salvation Army wasn't just a place that used to sell cheap clothes. They were a place that would train souls to win souls. They would train people to go out and bring salvation, the message of salvation. And I love this. William Booth said, I asked God if I could for, for one hour dangle my soldiers over the pits of hell. And he said, with, with under 10 people, I could turn the world to know Jesus. Man, we need a revelation of why we're here. We're soldiers in the army of God to win souls, not just to take up space and take up a seat in a church. We're not an attender. We're the army. And I believe once you start to get a revelation of it, maybe you're saying, you know what, I've just been an attender. Now's your time. Today's your day to make a decision. To ask, say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and boldness. Give me creative ways. Show me who to do it. Show me who to share with. I won't hold back. I'm here to be used. I'm here to be your army. I don't want to be tangled up with civilian affairs. I want to please you. I want to win souls. I don't want to take up a seat. I want to fill the seats and see this world come to know you. That's what we need. And that can be you even today. It's a decision that you make. And I want to challenge you to make the choice even right now. Yeah, before we sign off today, I want to pray for everybody that's watching to yeah. be filled with a boldness to go out and do this. And make a covenant with God today. Make a decision that today is going to be the last day that you're ever found as wicked for being ineffective. Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally bless every person that would make that decision today. Father, let every person who decides to become not just an attendee, but a soldier in your army. Allow them to see a violent increase come upon their household this year. Lord, yeah. not only in finances, but Lord, allow supernatural health to overcome their body, their wife's body, their husband's body, their children's body. Lord, allow them to have the oil of joy poured over their homes so that no depression may ever sneak in. And, Lord, allow their hearts to grow cold to the things of wickedness yeah. and fall more in love with the things of righteousness every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, look, I want to invite you to one of our Upper Row One Nights. January 25th and 26th, we'll be in Rochester, New York. February 8th and 9th in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And February 15th and 16th, we'll be right outside of Pittsburgh and Cannonsburg area. I want to invite you to one of those three events. If you can't make it, though, I want to encourage you. Uproar Conference, July 25th, 26th, and 27th. Every event is free. And you need to be here to be equipped to win this generation. There's 42 million, I, I think it's like 40, 42 or 49 million teenagers between the age of 12 and 19 who need Jesus. And you get to bring it to them. So real quick while you're at it, though, go ahead and log on to Instagram, follow us, share this video. Let us know where you're at. Let us know what God is doing in your life and turn the world upside down.